Open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 9. Did I mention that one of our deacons made the communion bread today? The, we have a box where all the silver pieces live, and in the bottom of the box is like an ancient recipe for communion bread that Woodburn Baptist Church has had for, what, 100, 150 years. Nobody's made it in a long time, but Brad Hall decided to make communion bread. Pretty good, huh? It's just like the cavemen used to have, y'all. I mean, it's way back in those days. But yeah, unleavened bread, flat bread, that's what he made, and, and it was wonderful. We also, true story, also have the recipe for uh, Woodburn Baptist communion wine. Uh, we really do. Uh, I guess back in the day before, you know, Baptist got out of hand with that or whatever. Uh, so uh, anyway, in the old days, yeah, Woodburn Baptist, we would make our own wine as well. Uh, so uh, anyway, things changed, but that was good today. It's a blessing. Numbers chapter 9 is where we'll be. Uh, some of you know me, you know enough about my story to know that I really, at one point in my life, really wanted to be an artist. I'm a painter. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts. Uh, I have a PhD in aesthetic theology. Uh, I just love that kind of expression, and I could have easily gone that way. Um, the only thing I can say is that the Lord led me. The Lord led me. I, I graduated high school, and that was the direction, and, uh, and the Lord just led me. And, uh, and here I am, a uh, very different kind of life than I probably would have chosen for myself. And yet I thank God every day that he led me and guided me. I, I know that the life toward which he leads me is infinitely better than any life I would lead myself toward. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that today, about what it means to be led of the Lord. Now, just know coming up in January, I'm going to preach an entire series on how to hear and know God's voice called Sign from God. I'm not going to start that today, but today's sermon will lead us in that direction. We'll, we'll perhaps help you begin to thinking those thoughts. What's it mean to hear God's voice? What's it mean to be led by him? A lot of us believe that that is possible and true that God leads his people, that God speaks to his people, but then a lot of us, when we get really honest, we're not sure that he's leading us or that we know uh, would, would recognize if he were trying to direct us. Some of us are really unsure about that. So let's take a moment today as we start this Advent uh, series and, and, and talk about how God led his people in the Old Testament. Start with me in Numbers chapter 9. I'm going to do a little bit of Bible study with you. I'm going to take a couple of texts together. So even if you don't normally open a Bible, open your Bible, uh, open your phone, whatever you, you want to do. There's a Bible in the rack in front of you. Follow with me because I think this is really important. And, and by looking at how God led his people in the past, we'll have more insight into how he leads us now through Jesus. So let's just sort of start there. Um, a little bit of a preview before we read in Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. Um, God is leading his people out of slavery in Egypt to the promised land, right? Uh, so how does he lead them? How exactly does he lead them? He leads them for 40 years through the wilderness and land they did not know. How did they know where to go? Well, God leads them by means of what's called the, the pillar of cloud uh, and, and also the pillar of fire. It's the same thing. It's the same pillar. In the daytime, it was this majestic, awesome cloud that was a picture like a tornado or like a column, a pillar it's called. It's just from ground to sky. This, this column, this cloud that remained in front of the people. It never, ever left. And then at night, when it would get dark, that amazing pillar of cloud would, would set itself on fire and become this blazing pillar of fire. So cloud by day, fire by night, God always led his people. So I want us to look at that cloud and that fire very quickly and see what we can learn together. I'm going to start in Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. Let me just say this. In those days when they're following the cloud and the fire through the wilderness... 
they had what's called the tabernacle. It was a tent. They all lived in tents, but the tabernacle was the tent where God's presence dwelt. And if you wanted to worship or seek the Lord, uh, th- that's where you would go, to, the, to that tabernacle, and, and that's where the worship would happen. So the tabernacle is mentioned in verse 15. Let's start there. On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud that covered the tabernacle had the appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. Key word there is whenever. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of God, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, key word there is wherever, and wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. Two words there, whenever and wherever. So just a a little bit of of guidance here. If you want to know how it is that you must follow the Lord, those two words describe it, whenever and wherever. You move when he says move, you go where he says go. That's the attitude that you must have whenever, wherever. Verse 18. In this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days. So the people would stay for only a few days as the Lord commanded. Then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled at the Lord's command, and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. I think that's fascinating. That's just wonderful. He's leading them, and they have no idea where to go. It's a land they do not know, and and this takes years. It's it's a 40-year voyage, but for that entire time, God leads his people. He never fails to lead his people, and how does he do it? Pillar of cloud by day, fire by night. I, I love it. Now, a couple of verses. Go to Exodus chapter 13 with me. Exodus 13, verse 21. We get a little more information about this same pillar of cloud and fire. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. I'd love to hear more pages turning, or I guess it's, y'all are looking on your phones, right? That doesn't make noise. So just for my sake, as you open your phone, go whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. So it sounds like pages, sounds like pages turning that way. Yeah. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. Notice this. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. What's the little bit of extra information there? It's the beautiful part. It's the Lord who leads his people. It's not impersonal. It's not this ooh magic cloud, magic fire that floats through the air. No, no, no. God leads his people. It is God. It is the Lord. So the cloud is a divine manifestation. It's it's a way of seeing what is ordinarily unseen. God is with his people. God is leading his people. So the pillar of cloud by day or fire by night, understand, it's the Lord leading his people. It's not a magic cloud. It's not a magic fire. It's the Lord's presence, his guiding 
presence goes with them. So understand, it's personal. With God, it's always personal. He goes with his people. Now, for me, it's the same page. Exodus chapter 14, starting about verse 19. I love this. This is the story of when they crossed the Red Sea. You know that story? They're crossing from Egypt to the Promised Land. They have to cross the Red Sea. Moses raises a staff, splits the water. But have you ever noticed what the pillar of fire does then? Because this is awesome. I'm going to start in verse 19. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. That's never happened. Keep going. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea. The Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. I love that. Walls of water on each side. But where was the pillar of fire? Not in front of them this time. It moved where? Behind them. Why? Ordinarily, the pillar of fire is God's guiding presence, showing them which way to go. But they know which way to go. There's only one way to go. It's a path through the sea. So the fire moves to behind them. Why? To protect. What's behind them? Or apparently, who's behind them? Yeah, Pharaoh and his army. Pharaoh and his army is coming after them. So the pillar of fire moves to the back. It's God's, God's presence there to protect them now. So it's not just a guiding presence. It's a presence that protects. God protects his people from the enemy. I love that. Now turn to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. Wish, wish, wish. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. I've already read the verse at the table, but let's look at it again so you can connect these dots. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, Isaiah's talking about the coming Messiah, and he says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And we know that light. We know exactly who Isaiah is talking about. He's talking about who? Jesus. John, Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12. Last one. John 8, 12. Turn there. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. All right, so see that? What we're doing is we're looking at the Old Testament to get a sense of what God is going to do for his people through Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, God led his people with this pillar of cloud, this pillar of fire, this amazing fire, this light in the darkness. And then Isaiah prophesies that, that the Messiah, the coming Messiah will be like that light in the darkness. And then Jesus says, I am the light. So understand, in the old days, God led his people with that pillar of cloud, with that pillar of fire. But because of Jesus, because we know Jesus now, Jesus is that living light that guides us through our darkness. You understand? Jesus is that living light. He is the light. His presence guides us. His presence protects us. It is Jesus. Jesus is the living light that guides you through the darkness. It's Jesus. You have to know him. You have to love him. You have to understand he guides you. So a couple of basic principles to sort of uh, lay this down for us. Number one, everybody walks in darkness. 
Now somebody's saying, Pastor Tim, you just said that Jesus is the light. And if you follow Jesus, you've got light. Yet you're exactly right. If you follow Jesus, you have light. But you need Jesus because everybody walks in darkness. The world is a spiritually dark place. I'm not saying we don't have light bulbs. I'm not saying you didn't just spend Thanksgiving hanging Christmas lights over every surface of your house. I know you have light, but understand, you can have eyes wide open. You can see clearly everything around you and still not know what your life is for, what your life is about. Everybody walks in in a kind of darkness, spiritual darkness, Sometimes you feel that darkness come over you. In the middle of a crowd, you can become so instantly lonely. Or in the middle of a celebration, you can become so instantly sad. And depression can linger with you for days, weeks, maybe months. I'm telling you, everybody walks in darkness. It's just a way of life. We don't really always know what our life is. We don't always know where we are. And once you feel like you've figured out in your life what it's all about, once you feel like you know where you are, at that moment, life takes you somewhere else. I mean, nobody gets to stay in one place. Nobody. Life doesn't work that way. Everybody walks in darkness. I think the darkest, like literally darkest moment of my life, I was doing some work outside uh, in the woods, and I parked my car in the woods, and there was no moon, and there was no light. And I can't describe to you why or how it was so dark that night, but it was so dark. And it was time for me to leave, so I was trying to get to my car. And I could not see my, I mean, like, it was so dark. I knew I was near my car, but I couldn't, I have a black car. I could not see my car. There was no light reflecting anywhere. I, I could not see anything. And so I was sort of walking through the dark, and I'm not really a chicken, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty tough guy. But, you know, in moments like that, you just start thinking, you know, like, is there like an axe murderer, you know, booger man, whatever, about to get me? I started getting kind of panicky, like, you know, I really want to not be in the dark here, and I want to get in my car. And I knew if I could get the car, I could open the door and the light would come on. But literally, you guys, I could not find my car, and I knew it was right in front of me. It was that dark. So I'm just sort of feeling, 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 you know, and, and kind of panicking, you know, something's about to get me from behind that I can't see. And so I'm feeling, and then finally my, my hand touches the car. So I can feel the car, but I still don't know like what part of the car I'm touching. It's that dark, seriously. So now I'm just kind of feeling for the door handle. I just want to find the door handle because I know if I open the door, the light will come on. So now I'm just trying to feel my way to find the door handle. Finally, you know, just in time, right before the axe murder swings, you know, I find the door handle. I open the door, but the light doesn't come on. Like, what's up with that? Like, the light, is so, so I jump in my car, slam it real fast, you know, because axe murderer. I, I slam the door, but now I don't understand. The light didn't come on. That's crazy. And then, like, like I can't find the steering wheel. Like, I can't find this. Like, the steering wheel's not there. It's not there at all. And now I'm really freaking out because, like, I don't know where I am. Like, I thought I was in my car, but I can't find the steering wheel. I'm paying, and then I realize I'm in the back seat of my own car. Okay, I got in the back seat. Now, once I figured that out, I got in the front seat, turned on the lights, and, and drove home. But isn't it strange how darkness can just fall? Isn't it strange how when you think you know where you are and you think you know your surroundings and you think you know how to get in a car, all of a sudden you realize how very desperately we need light. 
Everybody walks in darkness, you all. In some way, you feel that, you know that. Some of you right now are stuck in a marriage, and you know that that marriage is just plunged in darkness. There's no light to see the way forward. Some of you as parents, you, you, you feel the same way. Some of you have been single so long, and that loneliness just feels like darkness. It's, it's, just don't know where your life goes from here. Ever, everybody walks in that darkness, but understand, Jesus will never leave you without light. Jesus will never leave you without light. It goes back to the Old Testament. He's like that fire by night, that pillar of cloud. It never left the people for over 40 years. 40 years, it never disappeared because God never left his people. That's the point. He never left them. He never left them. He never would forsake them. He never abandoned them. He never turned his back. He stayed with his people. And because he stayed, they always had the light, the fire by night. They always had the guidance. They were never, ever apart from his presence. And Jesus will never leave you. Jesus will never leave you. He's never going to abandon you. He's never going to forsake you. He's never going to let you down. He's never not going to hear you when you prayed. You understand? Jesus will never leave you without light. In the darkness of your life, you will always have Jesus and therefore always have light. Sounds good, right? But, but I know that some of you right now, even as I say that and you know that that's true, you know that's true, you know that's true, but it just doesn't always seem true. Like some of you say, Pastor Tim, I pray and I ask God for guidance and I don't feel like he answers me. I don't feel like I hear his voice. I don't understand it. I know that Jesus will never leave me, never forsake me. But if that's true, why do I so often feel like I'm walking alone in the dark? And some of you would say, I feel like a lot of the time I'm just like I'm walking in the dark by myself. Why is that? If Jesus is the light, never going to leave you, why is this so many of us spend so much time in darkness? Can I just tell you what I think? This could sound harsh, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not talking to everybody in the room, but can I just, can I just explain one part of this and, and, and let it apply to who it applies to? Um, so many of us get really frustrated or we wonder if there's something that we, something we just aren't getting about the Christian life because other people talk about following the Lord and, and you're just not sure he's leading you. I talk about you know, wanting to be an artist, but God led me to be a pastor. And some of you think, well, that's probably the way God works with pastors. But, but you wonder if it works that way for you. I'm telling you that it does. It works that way for you. But, but here's the thing. God is your full-time God. But the problem is you're maybe his part-time follower. Have you considered this? There is this gap between where God wants you to be and, and where you are, and you have this tendency to blame God for that. As if God doesn't speak to you or God doesn't guide you. Can I just suggest to you that God is a perfect guide He's been doing this a long, long time. He knows how to lead you, and he knows how to lead me. He knows how to speak. God has no flaws, no problems with any of this. Can we just not consider consider the possibility that the fault is not with God, that the fault is with us? 
God is your full-time God. The scripture emphasizes that whenever that cloud would move, I mean, it didn't give like a, it didn't even give a countdown warning. It's just all of a sudden the cloud moves, and in that instant, everybody has to move. Everybody has to pack up and get because the cloud is moving. And if that cloud stayed, if it stayed for a year, you sat there for a year. You didn't move, you didn't come, you didn't go. If the cloud didn't come or go, that's, that's how it worked. And, and, it, and it could be day, it could be night, it didn't matter. God was a full-time God, and he moved when he moved. And, and the people followed when he moved because that's the only way to follow. Do you understand? It's a full-time God, but your problem may be that you're just a part-time follower. I, I mean, I, I'll just be really, really honest. I, there's so much, like if you just, you know, I, don't, I don't know how God speaks to me. Well, there's a whole Bible right here. Like we could start right here. And if all you did was just concentrate on the things that are in the Bible, like applying those things to your life, you'd have a whole lot to last you the rest of your life. Like just right there, if you just started there with the whole part about honoring your parents, for example, like get to get busy with that because this is how God works. He, he guides us. He speaks to us through his word and, and you've got the word. The, the problem is he's a full-time God, but you're a part-time follower. So you read the Bible or you listen to somebody else read the Bible. And if you don't like what the Bible says, hmm, you just do your own thing. You just do your thing. So if the Bible says, you know, that you, you, that, that you should not lie, cheat, commit adultery, but all of a sudden, you know, there's this sweet young thing where you work that, that winks at you, man, I mean, you were, you know, you're just there. You know what the Lord says and you know how he's guiding you, but you still do your own thing. So in that moment, understand, doing your own thing really doesn't have anything to do with what it means to follow God. Because if you're following God, it's more about his thing and not your thing. But, but our problem is we don't really follow him. You know what the Bible says. You know the Bible says you're not supposed to live with and sleep with your girlfriend. But you kind of like living with and sleeping with your girlfriend, you know. So all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what God says. You're going to go your way. You, 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 you do things your way. Because you like to do things your way. If you start following God, understand, he takes over your whole life. And when Ashton stood in the waters of baptism and proclaimed that Jesus was her Lord, understand, that word has power. To say that someone is your Lord means they have the authority to command your life. Like your whole life. Not just your church life, your life life. Like all of it. So all of a sudden, your relationships are governed by the authority of Jesus. He speaks into your life. And he will guide you through relationships. The reason why so many of you completely blow up every relationship you get into is that you've yet to learn how to follow Jesus in relationships. You're doing it your way, and it doesn't go well for you. Follow Jesus. You understand? I mean, he has a way for you that may not seem right to you, but in that way is the way of life and everything else that you seek. I mean, Jesus is not going to steer your life off a cliff. He doesn't. He always knows where you need to be and how to get there. You don't. You don't see. You don't understand. So you think you got money in your pocket. You just spend that money on what you like to spend money on. But no, it doesn't work that way when you belong to the Lord. He controls your money too. So therefore, it's not just what do I want to do? What do I want to buy? It just becomes, God, what would you want me to do with everything that is in my possession? It all belongs to you. Everything. He's your full-time God, but you're his part-time follower. 
You don't mind the idea of following God, but really for you, that means more like when you ask, then you like God to, you know, sort of be in, in an advisory capacity. So you could ask and he could sort of tell you what he wants and then you could weigh that with your other options and then do your thing. And it doesn't work that way. God's not going to just simply serve you in an advisory capacity. He will be the Lord of your life or, or you will go your own way. I understand. But there's no little deal in between where you just sort of follow the Lord when you like what he may be wanting to do. He's a full-time God. You're a part-time follower and so when you find yourself in the darkness alone, understand, it's not because God led you there. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If anyone will follow me, if it's a conditional statement here, if you will follow me, then you won't have to walk in darkness, it says. If you will follow. So understand, you have to follow you have to follow. If you do not follow Jesus, who is the light, you will be in darkness. You will be on your own. And it's not that Jesus left you. You left him. If anyone will follow me, Jesus says, you won't have to walk in darkness. One more thing. Sometimes, I know it's frustrating God just does his own thing, and, uh, and, and when you surrender to that, then, then you just follow him. And uh, sometimes he leads you the long way. I said sometimes, y'all, I, I could, if I said all the time, I think I'd be correct. God just all the time, it seems like, you know, every, every spiritual story is like, well, that's a long story. Because what God does is, is over time. Even in the Exodus, it says that when God led his children out of Egypt, he led them on a roundabout way. In other words, you could have, you know, dropped a pin where they were and dropped a pin where they're going, and you could draw a straight line, and that would be the quickest, fastest, most efficient way of traveling, but God's never interested in efficient ways of traveling. He's not trying to save you any time, because guess what? He's got all the time in the world. He's not in a hurry. And so even with the children of it, it took them 40 years to get to the promised land. They could have called an Uber and been there by dark. But following the Lord, it, it was a roundabout way. Sometimes God will just take you the long way. Why does he do this? I mean, I mean honestly, why does he do this? Two different times in, in my ministry career, uh, I've had Couples in my office telling me their love story. And I've had two different guys, I don't think they know each other, two different guys tell me that they took their girl on the first date to a particular restaurant, never been to it, a particular restaurant. I think it's in Springfield, Tennessee. I didn't know there were restaurants in Springfield, Tennessee. Did you? I, I mean, so two guys, they, they take their girls to, to this restaurant down in Springfield, Tennessee. And in both instances, I said, why? Why did you take her there? I mean, because honestly, Bowling Green has restaurants. I mean, we got all kinds of restaurants. And like, you don't have to go to Springfield to find a restaurant. I mean, you could go to all over, but you go to El Mazatlan, you know, and let this girl fall in love with you over a bowl of queso. Because if she doesn't fall in love with you over queso, she's not going to fall in love with you at all. I mean, queso is, is the magic, always, you know. Or go to Steak and Shake. You could have a burger and you could be home by 830, dude. You know, what is this taking her to Springfield, Tennessee? And both guys told me the same thing. What do you think they told me? I wanted to drive. Yeah, I wanted to drive. What do they mean? 
It wasn't for them about seeing how quickly you could eat a burger and get back home. No, these guys had waited a long time to have a date with a girl. Long time. And they had a girl in their car, so they were going to make that last as long as they could. So, you know, we're lucky they didn't take those girls to Indiana somewhere. Uh, I mean, Springfield. And they, and they take the old road. They take the slow road. Why? Because they want to be with the girl. It's really not about the destination. It's not about getting to Springfield. God help us all. It's not about any of that. It's just about being with the girl. They just want to be with their girl. And they want to make that last as long as possible because they just loved the girl. You understand? You want to know why God sometimes leads you the long way? Because it's really not just about getting you there. Spiritual life is, is not just about seeing if he can race you out of one place and into the next place in your life. That's really not what God is trying to do at all. He led the children of Israel out of Egypt along a roundabout way so that they could learn to trust the fire by night. Learn to trust the cloud by day. They, they can learn to move when he moves and stay when he stays. But, you know, more importantly, it wasn't a magic cloud or a Strange blaze of fire. That was God himself with his people. He, he doesn't just lead them. He accompanies them. Understand? He accompanies them. It's not about just, you know, getting them to the promised land. It's, it's, it's about letting them learn to know him and love him along the way. That's what your life is about. Not just God trying to race you into the next destination, the next stage of life. It's really about you just learning to delight in this presence that guides and protects you every day, every night, without fail. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you will follow me. You won't have to walk in darkness. But you understand? You do have to follow. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, you have always been with us. Always the light in our darkness, always the peace in our storm, always the love in our loneliness, always, always, we are sheltered in your arms. Don't know exactly why it is, Lord, that we would ever turn away from you, why we would ever refuse to follow you, why we would possibly think that we could somehow steer our life to the place where we belong when we don't even know where we're going. God, we're all in darkness, and we all desperately need light, and you know that. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, for dying, for rising again, for living now as the light for our lives. God, I pray for those in the sound of my voice who may have never reached that moment where they just give it up and surrender to you. Let your light shine in the darkness of their hearts, Lord. I, I pray that anyone, Lord, right now in the sound of my voice who's never surrendered in that way, Lord, that right now is a moment when they just give up give you control, and begin walking in the light of your face. Lord, we love you. 
We confess that we are not always good followers, but Lord, you are very, very good at leading us. So like a shepherd, lead us to all the places you would have us to be, Lord. Honestly, we, the longer we walk with you, the less we care about where we end up, Lord. We just know that we always want to be with you. And if we are with you, then we know that we must be in a very good place. Lead us, O oh Lord, and help us to follow you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.